You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey everyone, uh, it's Michael Jammon. Welcome back to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. I got a very great guest today. This is my old friend, Andy Gordon. And uh, I got Andy, let me give you a proper introduction because I got to be honest. So, see, my partner Steve and I, we play this game often of uh, like who has better credits. <laughs> uh, <you laughs> know, and I would say, for sure, I, I, you got to be up there. I mean, uh, you got to be in the up there, like a people comedy writers with the best credits in Hollywood right now, for sure. So, oh, well, thanks. Oh, for sure. I'm going to run through some of your credits. You, I think you, I guess you started on Get a Life, but um, right? Okay. Yeah, started on Get a Life. Actually, started before that on Kids Incorporated, but Get a Life was my first adult show. First adult one. Okay, right. Get a Life. Then he was on Mad About You. Then yep. Dream On, also one of, my, one of my favorite shows. News Radio, Jeff Foxworthy show, then Just Shoot Me, where we worked together for four years. Or, no, maybe less. I don't remember how long you were there for. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, I'm going to run through your credits, and then I'll stop talking, and then I'll let you say something. With At the 45-minute at the mark, then I'll, I'll let you say something. <laughs> uh, then Dag, which you, co- you co-created with your partner. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip some... I'm going to skip some here. Well, Hot Properties, The Loop, Back to You, True Jackson, which you were the showrunner, Last Man Standing, Friend Me, Kirsty, which we worked together briefly on, Mystery Girls, which you ran, uh, then Modern Family, Big Bang Theory, United States of Al, and then currently now Call Me Cat. Uh, dude. Yeah, I'm ending big. <laughs> You're ending big. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. And I got to say one more thing before I let you talk. On Just Shoot Me, where I was, you know, you were a co-exec and I was a staff writer, you know, and you and I, it was like, it's a handful of guys. It was, like, it was always about making you and a couple other people just laugh because you were the, seriously, one of the funniest writers in Hollywood, for sure, for sure. And I remember reading your first script that you wrote on that, Lemon Wacky Hello, mm. as a staff writer. I remember reading it in the office and thinking, this is perfect. All right, I guess, we, when do we shoot it? And then you got notes on it. I was like, notes? Like, why? What do you mean notes? Like, how, why? Why are there notes on this? Why don't we? <laughs> I didn't realize like that's what you do. You just get notes on stuff. Like, no matter how good it is, there's always notes to change it or improve it. But anyway, so thank you, Andy, for for coming here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I should say that to your listeners, to your viewers, you're one of the funniest guys I've ever worked with. That's nuts. Uh, and you were hilarious in the room at Just Shoot Me right from from day one. I disagree. I don't. I think you're remembering it wrong. Maybe because I am. I remember being so intimidated by everyone, Marsh and you and Angle and Levitan. Like, like what, what can I, I just felt like I didn't even belong at the table. Am I remembering it correctly? Did yeah, you I come mean, up with the name Dennis Finch? I came up with the name Dennis because I was like Dennis the Menace. That, that was my only contribution all the first year, first season. No, no like, you had that amazing Nina Van Horn line that, that I remembered for uh, 25 years. What was that one? So, uh, uh, Wendy Malik had some weird line, and we we needed a follow-up to it. And then you pitched, I forget who it was. Maybe it was George Siegel saying, Nina, when you tilt your head uh, sideways, does it sound like a rain stick? Yeah, I remember, I remember pitching that, and Levitan goes, did you write that? I'm like, well... Yeah, and like he thought I stole it or something. Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't have come from my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he was so confused. Yeah. Wait, but how many? I don't remember how many. Were you there 
three years or two years? How many years were you under Shumi? I was there three years, but I was there for both pilots. It's actually an interesting story, which is that one night, and this was back when I was single, when this thing could happen, I got a call at like 10 p.m. from my agent, mm-hmm. who was also Levitan's agent. And he said, hey, do you know Steve Levitan? I said, I've met, you know, I've met him when he was on Gary, Gary, uh, Larry Sanders. I used to be around that set a lot when he was there. And I said, I know him a little bit, but not really. He said, well, he's turning in his pilot to NBC tomorrow. And he was hoping to punch it up a little bit. I'm like, yeah. He goes, can you go over to his house and write jokes? I was like, well, I don't know him that well. Right. He said, no, no, he asked for you. Uh, So I got there at like 11 p.m. And his wife put on a pot of coffee and we wrote jokes until the sun came up. Really? Wait, just you and him? Just the two of us for Just Shoot Me. And then we ended up helping on the first pilot, which didn't quite go. It was close. And then we were there for the second pilot and that got on the air. Wait, I didn't even know there was a first. That was a season earlier? No, there was two pilots. The first pilot didn't have Spade in it. Right, I know, but I thought it was picked up. I thought it was picked up without Spade. My memory is that it didn't. No, because I, no, you, I think you're remembering it wrong because th- we were hired on that. Well, and this then, is outrageous. This is outrageous. Then Spade became available. And I remember Levitan coming to the room. Do you think we should bring this, this David Spade guy on? And we oh, was, so yeah. maybe that's how it happened. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first pilot had a, a different receptionist named Connor. Right. Who was a little broad. And also the set was weird because it had a low fence. Right. And the low fence only showed in master shots and your wide shots. Right. But it didn't show in two shots or singles. So as people walked around the set, they would navigate this fence in a way that was very weird because you didn't know why they were moving that way. That's interesting. See, I didn't, I, I remember you, everyone saying the set was weird, but why would they design it that way? I mean, you, I don't know. I don't know. So you would, you were forced to go to the master shot more often than you would have wanted to just to explain why people are, are making a weird zigzag pattern across the room. And this is interesting because this is something as a staffer, like I would have no idea. I remember being on set and Eileen, your, your old partner used to watch the monitor all the time. And she would explain to me, I was like, what are you looking at? Cause there's four, there's a quad split. And I'm like, how do you know what you're looking at? Like no one knows what you're looking at. And she would explain to me, oh, this is how you watch a quad split. <laughs> like, oh, well, I is- remember that you were the, you were the, the watcher of the background actors. That used to drive me crazier than everyone else did. I don't know why. Why did that make me upset? No, I don't know. I remember one one time sort of out of my peripheral vision seeing you getting all hot under the collar. <laughs> and after taking I'm like, what's wrong? And you're like, what are those guys doing in the background? Yeah. By the way, can I, can I curse on this thing? Go ahead. No one's, no one's listening. Go ahead. I, and you were like, what the fuck are those guys? I'm like, what, what, what? And down the hall to Elliot's photo studio, way down the set, Two act, two background actors had taken it upon themselves yeah. to create a little backstory that they were in a fight. Yeah, and they were shoving each other. There was no, I. It was as I remember. It was they're up on. They're, they have a deadline and they're going to miss their deadline. And I remember talking to them. I go, "What are you guys doing here? What are you guys doing in the background? Well, we're on deadline." I'm like, "Well, whatever the fuck is going on there? They're watching the shit that I wrote, so knock it off." <laughs> yeah, I remember you losing your mind at them. <laughs> What, 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 isn't that normal? Wasn't I supposed to lose my mind over that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! But we had some—we had some fun. If you had to go back, listen, you've worked on some amazing shows. If you had to go back or could go back to work on one again, 
either in a reboot or whatever, what would it be? Well, that was a pretty fun show. So, so that it might be that one because everything George Siegel did made me laugh. Spade mm -hmm. was hilarious. The right, the, you know, that writer's room was really solid. You know, Pam Brady was so funny and, and right, um, right. Zucker was crazy. So that it might be that one, you know, and Levitan was terrific. But I also had a ton of fun, surprisingly, on my show, True Jackson. Why was that? Other well, than running it. Yeah, it, it, it was sort of the perfect show at the perfect time for me because I had two very young daughters right. who were like the exact perfect age for that show. So that was, that was great. I could use the show for important messaging for them. Like there were things I wanted them to learn that I would put in the show. Like so what? it was it was valuable in that sense. Like what kind of like like what? That's so that's so interesting. I wouldn't have well, that. one one of my daughters was a real perfectionist, and it was making her crazy. Uh -huh. So I said, "Look, I'd like to do an episode where True is challenged and fails, and it's okay because all you have to do is try." and take something from it, but you don't have to succeed all the time. And the network liked the script, but said, hey, we would love it if True had a victory at the end. And I said, no, no, that's the exact reason we're doing this episode is that she doesn't have a victory. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, could she have like maybe an inadvertent victory? And I said, no. And they were like, well, we would love it if she, you know, we want it to be aspirational. I'm like, this is the episode we're doing. If you don't want to do it, let's shut down for the week. And they let me do it. But but that was, you know, it was so it was an important show in that sense. And then what was great was early on in that show, um, I told the casting department that I would be casting the show and I would give them uh, a heads up on who I was casting and they could ding somebody by the end of the day if they didn't like somebody I was casting. But otherwise, I would be casting the show myself. Well, when you, what do you mean that? I mean, wait, I, first of all, this is always the case. If you don't approve of the cast, you don't, as a showrunner, you, they're not in the show. No, the, the, the networks always have a lot of input on your casting decisions. Uh, on, on, on Nickelodeon? or On everything, on everything. Now it's more, yeah. So on, on episode, I think it was two or three of True Jackson, you know, we cast an actress, and a couple days later they said, hey, we lost that actress, do you want to go with your second choice? And I said, what do you mean we lost her? How'd that happen? Like, oh, they didn't approve her in time. I said, well, that's not going to work. So I wrote them a letter saying, from now on, I'm casting the show. And I didn't expect it to work, but it did. They were like, okay, we got it. The so, ball's on you. I, sure yeah. The ball's on you. Yeah. So <laughs> I got lucky. But in that case, it made the show so much fun because I just cast who I wanted to, you know, meet or work with every week. Uh-huh. So it was one sort of alternative comic after another, after another. It was all Largo comedians. Right. It, in some cases, we would start that way. We would say, uh, okay, what would be funny for Paul F. Tompkins? Right. And like, yeah, it'd be funny if it was career week and he's a spy. Done. Right. Um, so that made that part of the experience really fun. And then also like what we would destroy each week because we, we were given a mandate to have lots of stunts and destruction to bring in a boy audience. Although we found it when we tested it that girls liked this just as just as much. Uh -huh. So with a mandate to destroy things, we we're like, what do we want to break this week? We're like, let's uh, let's do an art gallery. 
and the notes were pretty light, light on that. From the, from the very notes. light, very light, and all smart, all smart, all light. Um, so that was a that was a fun show. I, I would I would do that one again. In fact, I tried to this year with a, as a movie. Oh, and they said nice try. No, no, we we wrote three drafts, but I think Kiki got too too famous. I don't think she's ever going to do it. Yeah, isn't she actually having she having a kid now too? I think she yeah she had a kid. She had a daughter, daughter, oh. son, one of those two. Wow, could be yeah, one or the other. But that's so interesting. But and so you go back to those. It's so funny that you say that. Just shoot me because in my memory, just shoot me was kind of like the best, one of the best drafts I've written on for sure. But it was also like also my memory is a little weird because as a staff writer, like what do I know? Like everyone was a rock star as far as I can you know can see. So it was very intimidating. But that's how I would remember it as well. Like what a staff! Like everywhere you goes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, the, to, to be the, staff, the staff was great, and, and Steve was a, a very good showrunner on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was. That was a good time. Yeah, how fucking, how interesting. Now, but how do you? Uh, let's get all the questions. And, and honestly, Big Bang Theory was pretty fun too. But that was a big staff, wasn't it? Pretty big. Only nine of us. Oh, okay. But but literally everybody in the room could could pitch a line that you know got not you could knock out of the park. And at that point. Pretty much everyone was probably, it was very top heavy, right? Everyone had a lot of experience. Yeah, I was like the new kid. And how many how many years were you on it? I was only there two. I was only the last two. When you jumped in, did you watch every single episode? No, I watched like five episodes. <laughs> You're supposed to say you watched every single one. <laughs> well, <then how> you... <laughs> You're supposed to say I did a lot of homework. But so how did you know who the characters were? <laughs> Well, they were all famous, you know. I, I knew I knew enough, but no, I did not do my research. <laughs> oh my god! And then, no, but how did you? Okay, so how did you break in years ago? How did you break into the business? Well, you know, it was a lot of flukes. Honestly, my my first my first foray in was a lot of being in the right place at the right time, uh-huh. and then sort of taking advantage of it, which is you know one thing I always tell younger writers is. You really need two of three things. You need luck, you need some tenacity, some perseverance, and you need talent. Um, and sometimes one of those is enough. Uh-huh. And sometimes two, you know, it's, it's helpful if you have three. But I just got lucky because I drove cross country after graduating college. As a fluke, I lucked into a job as a PA on a new kid show called Kids Incorporated. Right. And after my first day of working there, the producers called me into their office and said, you know, welcome aboard, use the show as a learning experience. I said, oh yeah, yeah, I've already read all the scripts you you have. And they said, oh yeah, you wanna be a writer? I said, yeah. They said, do you think you could write this show? I said, yeah. They're like, we'll give it a shot sometime. And they were being a little, you know, polite, but you know, a little patronizing. Right. But I'm used to college, so I went home and wrote a script that night <laughs> and put it on their desk the next morning and they came in and said, um, wh- where's this from? I'm like, well, you told me to write it. I wrote one. I wrote it. They're like, we're going to produce it. And I was like, oh, that's great. They're like, yeah, it's actually in better shape than the one we're supposed to shoot next week. So we're going to shoot it. We're going to table read it on Monday. This was like a Tuesday. And this is the writers, the head, the showrunner you're talking to. This was the executive producer. Okay. And uh, so my first... That's nuts. Week in California, I sold my first script. They shot it the next week. Your first week in California. 
Yeah. So it was really being in the right place at the right time, taking advantage of a situation. Um, then I ended up writing two or three more that first season while still being a PA. Oh, they didn't even give you a staff writing job. No, no. I was still the PA. It was hilarious. They'd be like, you know, Andy, you got to cut five pages from the middle act and give me some pistachio nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That'll keep you humble. Okay. Yeah. And then season two, though, they made me head writer. What? Yeah. So I was head writer the second season. And what was funny is, you know, they came in, they gave me an office. They came in one day. They said, how are you doing hiring a staff? I'm like, I'm not going to have a staff. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going to write them. They're like, no, 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 no. You have to have a staff to write them. But I ended up writing a lot of them. Um, and paid off all my college loans. Wow. But it, it, when did you want to be, when did you decide you wanted to be a writer? Like what age? Oh, I was young. I've loved TV since I was a kid. Oh yeah. But do you, do you think, did you think you could write then? I mean, yeah, it didn't occur to when I was a kid, I did, you know, I watched probably as much TV as you, but I didn't know really they were writers, you know? I, 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 I don't know. It's all I ever wanted to do is write TV and movies. You know, I couldn't have come out here fast enough after graduating college. I got in the car the next day and drove here. So, and did you have a place to stay? I stayed on my uncle's couch. And he was in L.A.? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I got to say, of all the, it's funny, because of all the writers that I know who are working, I think you probably, I definitely think you enjoy the work more than anyone I know. You enjoy everything about being in TV. I do, I do. In fact, on Dream On, we broke every day at seven on the dot. David uh -huh. Crane and Marta Kaufman ran that show and they really were on a very strict schedule and they would wrap every day at seven on the dot. And I would always, like at 6.30, start feeling like, like, oh, I don't want it to end, I don't want it to end. There's only half an hour left. Wow. Yeah, and when the day was over, I was like, oh, damn. All right, at least we got tomorrow. Do you still feel that way though? uh probably a little less so now i'm you know sometimes if, if it gets a little late I'm, my eyes on the clock right like right. it's enough already for today but it's still pretty fun so i remember fun. on just shoot me we were working i don't remember whatever episode it was and you had a take for it he was like you're like i don't know i think this thing should go this way and steve was like no this is the way we're gonna do it you go well let me just stay late and do it my way. And I'll just give it to you tomorrow, tomorrow. And I remember sitting with you in your office. It was just me and you. And we were banging out that scene. And then, you know, Steve read it. And I think he tossed it aside. But I was, I was like, wow, this guy's going to stay late. And I want to yeah. see what it was about. That's funny. I don't remember that. But I, did, I had a similar experience with Steve and Chris on Back to You, uh -huh. where I pitched an idea. And they were like, mm, I don't know. I'm like, I, I just think it's going to be so funny. And and I pitched it like a second time. I reworked some of it and they were like, yeah, we're not sure. So I just wrote it anyway. Uh -huh. And we ended up producing it. It was pretty funny. Oh, wow. They liked it. Yeah, yeah. They liked it when they saw it finally. And that's, yeah, because you've written for, with Steve Levitan and Chris Led on Back to You. And then I'm just shooting then later on Modern Family. But Right. And you have, it's funny because I haven't, I haven't worked in network TV, I think, in 15 years. I'm trying to think. I, yeah. Huh. It's all been cable or streaming. Huh. And so how has it changed? But you you were plenty in network. How, how has it changed for you? Is it What's it like now? Uh, it's mostly the same as the process. 
Mm -hmm. Table reads the same, notes afterwards, go back for the rewrite. Um, Are the hours still really long? No, they've gotten better. Why is that? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% sure. But I, I know that when I, when I left, when I went to Modern Family saying to my wife, okay, the days of being home for dinner are over. Mm -hmm. And they weren't. That show got out at 6.30 every night. I'm like, yeah. okay. And then when I left, Modern Family went to Big Bang Theory. I said the same thing. I'm like, all right, now I'm back on a multicam. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all over. You know, take a picture of me, kids. This is it. And then that show was even earlier. We'd be, you know, we'd be out at five. And you start at 10? From 10 to 5? We start 10 to 5. It was a pretty... It was a word like there was not a lot of chit chat, but that's kind of unheard of still because you get network tossing out scripts and yeah, although they didn't do they didn't do it with Chuck Lorre. Yeah, but so even you would have to come up with a script. Chuck would have to read it. You think Chuck would toss it out? You know, he would throw out a lot of stuff, or he would throw out um, stories that weren't adding up. But usually, by the time they went to a table, that's mm -hmm. how we would shoot them. Wow. Wow. Do you the, go ahead. the rewrites would go quickly. He'd come in and blast through a rewrite in, you know, under an hour. Wow. Do you have a preference, a single or multi-camera? Well, multi's a little bit more exciting because it's like making a movie. Yeah. But the hours are a little worse. Yeah. Uh, uh multi's a little bit more fun because you're hearing sort of a live reaction to your jokes. Right. So that's that's fun and the hours are a little better. But you know, like Modern Family, you know, you'd you'd go into like a like a, a neighborhood and take over the neighborhood, right? Uh, and it was just cool. But you and you were as the writer. How did it go? Was you were always on set on your episodes? Was Steve or Chris on set ever? Or, you know, yeah. One of them would always be on set. Well, they you know they ran their own episodes, right? So so one would write one would run. Even numbered episodes, one would run odd numbered episodes. Um, and if the if if you were doing a, one of theirs, they they would generally be there. And and the writer of that episode, I, and and they would have to break. I don't know how they. I don't know how they did that and break stories while being on set. Yeah, they would come and go a little bit more. Uh huh. And if it was and if it was a scene in one of the houses, like you know. The, the Pritchett House or the Dunphy House. It was on set, so you could kind of go back to the office for a lot. It's yeah. it would get a little tricky if you were on location. Yeah, right. So those shows I've done, single camera, always on location. I'm like, I don't know, this is kind of boring and <laughs> uncomfortable. You know, we, we uh, I wrote a, I wrote an episode that was in a um, mountain cabin. It was a Christmas episode. Uh huh. Um, where uh, was uh, Gloria rents a a winter cabin and we needed a cabin like a big house that looked like it was you know in big bear or somewhere mm. and we found one by will rogers state park off sunset and i remember when we walked in when we were location scouting saying like yeah i want to hang out here for a week this is going to be great huh. and everybody was in the episode because it was it was a um you know an episode where all the cast was together in right. a lot of those storylines you would have a day with Mitch and Cam and then a day with the Dunphys. But right. this one was the entire cast all together for a week. And um, and that didn't get boring at all. That was just, you know, every moment of it was exciting. And you were in this giant house 
Wow. See, we did an episode of Wilfred. We shot in Santa Monica, I think. We rented a nice house and we were doing rewrites in the kids' bedroom upstairs. So yeah. writers were sitting on the bed. It was like, and it was 10 o'clock at night. Like, the kid wants to go to sleep. <laughs> like, what, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> that wasn't fun. <laughs> no, yeah, it's so interesting because I guess if you work on a high budget show, when we, we did we did Marin, we were we shot an episode um, in a crack house, and it was a it was a crack house. Like you don't want to be in a crack house. I yeah, know. I remember. No. Wow, you guys did a great job dressing it. Like we didn't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say I'll say that between Modern Family and Big Bang Theory, like being on hit shows, uh, yeah. it's, it's a whole different deal. In what in the money? You mean yeah. You know, the locations are beautiful. The, uh, you know, the craft services is amazing. Right. And what's it like on Call Me Cat now? Uh, well, that's, that, that's, um, it's a little bit of an odd uh, uh, process where there's two rooms. There's a downstairs B room. Okay. And I was running the B room and the B room would write outlines and then the upstairs room would give us notes. We'd rewrite the outline and then we would write a first draft. And then the draft would go upstairs to get rewritten. And the A room, what were they doing? They were breaking the stories? What were they Not doing? Really. <laughs> so the B room was doing everything. <laughs> the B, I don't want to be on camera saying the B room did. <laughs> but the B room did it quite a bit. And and how big was the staff? Very big. Oh, and so you were, ba but you were basically hired because cause, because you work for the people on United States of Al, right? Yeah. And so they knew you, and so you were basically hired to be the number two. No, no, there was uh, uh, plenty of number twos. Uh, but I ended up going down and running this sort of ragtag B room that I ended up falling in love with. Just because they're nice people? Great people, younger writers, um, sort of uh, uh, excited by things. It was, it was sort of... Um, fun to feel like a little bit of a teacher interesting see that's one of the things i actually miss about working now is that i'm the old guy and i don't get to i, I miss being around the old people who are more experienced than me to hear mm -hmm. their stories and to you know basically learn from them still you know that's something i'd miss mm -hmm. i do like being the teacher you know it's it both both things are fun both oh. things are fun but that was good because you know it's so funny there's a little bit of a, um, I think, a thought that older writers can be a little hacky. Uh -huh. But I think younger writers are pretty hacky. <laughs> and there's a lot of saying, like, you know, people would pitch jokes. I'm like, hey, do you think this is funny? And they're uh -huh. like, well, you know, it's a joke. I'm like, no, it's a joke. I'm just curious. Like, I'm not being a dick. But do you find, like, if you saw this, would you laugh? And they're like, uh, yeah, maybe. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> Got to pitch things that you think are funny. So they were just pitching basically clams that they heard on on TV or familiar joke structures. Uh huh. Um, How funny is that? How yeah, you know, and and, and it, you know, for me, lots of times jokes are funny that aren't jokes at all. Like what? Like what? Like a weird reaction to something, right? Um, you know, or you know, you put an ice cream cone in someone's hand, and the whatever they say is a little bit funnier because they like the ice cream cone. <laughs> well yeah that's so because I, I i'm just shooting me. i remember learning so much from you like learning about clams learning about pipe learning about all this stuff like uh, uh, well, there's so much i need to know here you, know, <laughs> you have no idea how any of it works um 
but so it's interesting. So that's so that's what gets you out of bed. Are you still excited about you know that part, mentoring and? Well, I like all of it. You know, I I, I like writing a scene that's either funny or moving, and then seeing it get acted out. That's pretty exciting. Right. On right. um, on the United States of Al. Oftentimes, if I thought a scene would be meaty or that I wanted, like it was excited about seeing, I would just go write it before mm -hmm. anybody else did. Uh, and often they stayed that way. What, so, because the showrunner liked it, you mean? Yeah. Like okay. if I knew, like, oh, we, we, have, we have a scene, we don't know what it's going to be, but but the lead, you know, Parker on United States Val was going to talk to his therapist who played who was played by Blake Clark. Uh -huh. I'd be like, you know, I just know that scene's going to be funny and rich, and I would just go write it. Uh -huh. And they would often put it in just because uh, it was easier to just put it in, right? You know, or or you know, Dean Norris. I had a scene where he he talks to his uh, wife at his, at the at her gravesite, and like I just ran off and wrote that. Instead of even pitching it, you didn't even ask them. You just said, "Hey, well, check this out." Yeah, I'm like, "Hey, what? What about this?" And they were like, "Oh, wow, that's pretty moving." Oh, wow, that's great. That's great. I had a I had a question a lot. Now, um, how do you feel? How do you feel like new writers? I don't know. Do you feel like they've changed since I was, since the you know the day? Are they are they different now? Yeah. Well, you know, the new sensitivity is tricky, right? So it's you know it's it's pretty tricky. Do you want to uh, elaborate on that or no? It's okay if you don't. <laughs> you know, you even have to be careful in talking about it. But as an example, I did a punch up on a, a, a an independent movie, mm -hmm. and there was a character who was sort of a um, a good natured redneck, and it was a room full of you know very young sort of very woke writers. And I said, I have a pitch here, but I want I want to preface this by saying, in my pitch, the character is going to use a word we don't use. Uh -huh. uh, and it's going to hit your ear funny. I'm not using this word. This uh -huh. character is going to use this word. He's And another character is going to correct him and say, we don't use that word. And he's going to say, oh, I'm sorry. So, And then he's going to try another word. And they're going to say, you know what? That one's no good either. <laughs> like, and that's going to be the joke. And you're gonna laugh. I'm like, and I'm like, but I don't want anybody to get upset when they hear the word the first time, uh, because the the premise of the joke is that um, the wow. guy doesn't want to be that bad a guy. He just didn't think he didn't get the memo that that's not a word we use. And yeah. then I pitched the joke, and the room went like white, and I got called out of the room. Like, you know, you've got to be careful with what you say. You I'm like, but I, but I prefaced it for three times as long as the joke itself. You were like, yeah, showrunner. The showrunner was uncomfortable with it. Yeah, he was like, "You gotta." Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, "But I, but I." Anyway, so yeah, I know. there are times when you think a room is safe, and you just have to decide it. You know, nowhere is safe, and write I mean, great, great jokes that are a little more sensitive. I remember on Just Shoot Me, the, the the law, the rule I remember learning was you can say anything you want as long as it gets a laugh. If it doesn't get a laugh, you've crossed the line. <laughs> You know. Well, I don't think that that's true anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on the last few shows, I'm just careful with what I say. And how do you think they're breaking in? Like when I broke in, it was you know you got an agent, you broke in, or but how do you think they're breaking in now? You write. I think it's probably harder to break in. Um, on cat, 
most of the younger writers had been writers assistants either on that show mm -hmm. or on other shows that where they knew somebody uh two came out of like programs okay like diversity programs right great great writers by the way mm -hmm. so so i think that that program the programs are working because right uh all the writers were good um but i think it's hard but they most of them seem to have been writers assistants interesting yeah i don't know how and then and then what about what about pilots? You seem to, we're going to talk more about this later, but you're you're still selling a ton of pilots. You've always been you've always been good at selling pilots. It didn't really doesn't seem difficult for you. Um, I mean, knock wood, I've done an okay job. Uh huh. Yeah, knock knock wood. Um, but how do you go about it? How do you go about thinking about do you, do you think about what the market wants, or you go, oh, here's an idea? I often try to think of a funny cold open. And and see if that leads lends itself to a a show. But you don't even know a funny cold open like okay, the, a, a guy getting coffee at Starbucks. I mean, then... we pitched Dag based on a cold open. We didn't quite know what the show was. Right. Uh, yes. Do you know that story? Well, I remember. I remember the show. I think I even helped out a couple of days on it. But I remember. But go ahead, tell the story then. So, my partner and I had an NBC deal. And we shared an office with Jack Burda, your other friend, yep. who also had an NBC deal. And we were working on separate pilots. Uh, Jack had a pilot called uh, Just Married with Chris Evans and, and Zachary Levi as brothers. Oh, my God. Wow. I know. And um, Eileen and I had a pilot called A Freak in Brooklyn. And we're working on our pilots, and we were having breakfast in the commissary. And I said, you know, it'd be a cool cold open for a show. And I said, Secret Service agent guarding the president. Uh, they come out a door, this big crowd. Secret Service agent's looking around, sees a suspicious guy. Tight shot on the, on the guy looking at the president. Tight shot on the Secret Service agent watching him. Guy reaches into his coat. Secret Ser Service agent jumps to action, you know, like, like it's puffed up. Guy pulls out his gun aims it at the president, cut to the Secret Service agent, snapping action, leaps. Go to a wide shot, he's leaping away from the president. <laughs> That's all we had. We're like, in the, moment, in, the, in the moment of being tested, he saves himself. Right. And then has gets demoted and has to get back to the A-team. Right. That's all we had. And I said, we should go pitch that. So we went down the hall to Ted Harbert's office. And Ted Harbert's assistant said, you know, Ted's really busy. I can, I can get you in maybe next week. Right. And we said, well, we'll just hang out in the hallway. And if he has three minutes, we can pitch this thing in three minutes. And we hung out in the hallway. And half an hour or so later, he comes out. He's like, guys, what's going on? We just pitched what I just said to you. All right. And he's like, well, that's funny. And we said, yeah. We said, let's go pitch it to the network. He's like, well, we could put something on the books. We're like, well, we just waited for you. Why don't we just do that with the network? <laughs> Wait, you can just walk up there? So we did. We got out of the elevator. We go down the hall to Carrie Burke's office. Uh -huh. Same thing happens. The assistant says, there's just no way. We're like, well, we'll wait in the, we'll wait in the lobby. But was Ted with you? Ted was with us. So he was no longer busy now. He was yeah. in time. Wow. 
so anyway, then Carrie Burke came out. We said the same thing. And she said, well, I like it. So then we had basically a pilot or a script, you know, to figure out. Right. As we were figuring it out, we ended up getting a list of who NBC had deals with. Right. Talent deals. Found out they had a deal with David Allen Greer. We um, then heard he had a another pilot he was doing. And we said, well, what's that one? They're like, we're not sure, but he plays a chef. Uh -huh. So we had a mutual friend, and I asked the friend to see if he would stop by and have breakfast with us. We had a quick breakfast with him at Barney Greengrass. And I said, David, I'm going to ask you two questions. Would you rather wear an Armani suit or a big white hat? And he said, well, a suit. I'm like, And question two, would you rather have a gun or a whisk? <laughs> That's loaded. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he, done, he jumped out of the other pilot, jumped onto ours, and we had a green light. That is such a Hollywood story, and that is not, for anybody listening, that's not how it usually works. No, that doesn't work like that. I don't think I could do that anymore, but. Yeah. How funny is that? But then in your other pilots, kind of the same way, you kind of just think of a, a cold open? And you just... Yeah, yeah. I had I had one that didn't go with 20th, where I just knew a, it was a dynamic cold open where it's the worst day for five characters. Like, five terrible things happen. Mm-hmm. And I knew that when I pitched it, I could blast through those five things and each of them were funny and you learned who each of the characters were in their thing. Right. And that then in the course of the pilot, you would see how they're connected with each other. Um, but in both those cases, we started with a cold open. Wow. Wow. Um, and then you, but even today, that's, that sounds like something you did with Eileen. Even today, now when you're selling pilots, the same kind of thing. Yeah, well, well, the the twentieth one I did without Eileen, but yeah, I'll often try to, or if I if I get a pitch, I'll see if I can distill a very dynamic cold open first, and then you only pitch that. It's it's very it's so unusual, I feel, but okay, yeah, I mean, it works. Well, so. you know, pitching is so nerve wracking. Yeah, you know, it's it's really uh, it's it's really nerve-wracking and a lot of it you know you're getting in a lot of detail and detail right. but i always found that if if i knew i could start with a catchy cold open that i had just had memorized right um that that would take all the pressure off wow that's an interesting tip that's not how we do it maybe we should start doing it that way hey it's michael jammin if you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free Join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you, and it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list. You know, and one time, you know, I had a catchy cold open. I went in, I pitched a thing with this producer, Will Packer, mm -hmm. and at CBS... I knew we didn't have a sale because they didn't like the cold open. And I was, and I was like, there's nothing we have to say after this. That's going to be better than this. Right. So I was making my part of the pitch shorter and shorter. Cause I was like, we got to get out of here. Like, uh -huh. this is, and we didn't sell it at all. They hated it. Yeah. Right. But mo yeah, mo in most pilots, you just don't sell, but you have got a really, you have a really good batting average. It seems like you're always busy with something. 
Um, uh, a lot of it is is numbers. I'll I'll you know I'll I'll pitch more than I sell. So right. Well, that's yeah, interesting. And and are you still? You know, have you done a lot of movie work though? A little bit, a little right. bit. For a while, I was doing a lot of um, those uh, 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 roundtables. Yeah, how did you fall into that? <clears throat> I was trying to fall into that. Couldn't. No one wanted it. Couldn't. Happen, <laughs> couldn't make me happy. It. Uh, I fell into it with a group of Simpsons writers. Oh, yeah. And, so. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> did a lot of uh, kid shows that were animated kid movies. Mm -hmm. So I had a little bit of clout from my Nickelodeon show and then they had all their, their animation clout and we would sort of sell ourselves as a group. Oh, I see. Interesting as a group. And we would, we would individually, we'd read a script. We would individually write, you know, 10, 20 pages of jokes or scenes. Uh -huh. Then we would do a day together as a round table uh -huh. and turn that into a document and then just turn the whole document in. And there's still work. There's still demand for that. They, you know, still money, money for that. I haven't done that in probably ten years. Yeah, it's probably. I, I don't know. These are probably. What about kid shows? Because you, you're still, you'll still do that. Well, you know, what are your, what's your feeling about working? Because you've been, you've been able to jump back and forth, which is really unusual. I was worried about it. You know, when, when, when I sold True Jackson. When I sold True Jackson, I didn't think I would work on it because I thought I would work on Back to You for eight years. Right. And when that show got canceled suddenly, I was suddenly available to run True Jackson. It turned out to be, like I said, just a blast. Yeah. Um, and then I sort of was like, I wonder if I'm stuck in in this world now. But then I, I wasn't. And that's really unusual. I really, I mean, I don't know. But you'll go, but you'll go back and forth now. You'll still do. I mean, I know you have a pilot. You know. Yeah, yeah. We pitched something to Disney. I pitched with a a, a stand up. Okay. And and you know fingers crossed it goes it you know it's 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 funny and how did you how did that happen do who how did you team up with a stand up uh there's a stand up i know who has a lot of credibility in food okay he's a food memoir he hosts uh hosts a, a food show a food uh, a show on the food network uh -huh. he's got a food podcast and this was a sort of a, like true jackson set in a restaurant okay and I said, hey, you want to do this with me? Because in the event that you get anything on, you really need two people. Yeah. Um, it's just too hard to do alone. We, we two people in terms of running it or in terms of what? Yeah. I think you need two people to run a show. You really think so? I do. Why? Because somebody's got to be on set. Somebody's got to be in the room. It's, it's good if you can keep both things going at the same time. Someone's got to go to editing. He was going to star in it, though. He's, no, he's, no, no. He's a writer. Oh, okay. Oh, he's a stand-up, but he's not going to star, and he's a writer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought he'd be a good one to do to do it with. Right. Okay. Um, and then my Fox pilot, I'm doing with Carol Leifer. Right. Same thing. I think it takes two. You know, just two people. So interesting. Is yeah. this does this stand-up have a lot of writing experience? A little bit. Yeah. A little he had bit. A pilot at ABC too that just they just passed on this week. Yeah, I mean, you're very you're very good at that. When we did Mystery Girls, you were mentoring Shep and you were letting him, you were, he was as much in the process as you were. And, you know, you were really good well, about he created, that. He created that show. You know, I was I was lucky to be aboard. Yeah, that's true. But you had the experience. And, and in that case, you needed it. That show was, you know, you <laughs> needed experience to be able to run that show for sure. So, wow. Okay. Wow. Now, what do you, what, do you have advice for, I don't know, for young writers, anybody listening yeah, you know, the, the, the biggest piece of advice I have 
yeah in in really everything especially in scripts is surprises um the more you can surprise somebody in your writing the better in terms of plot or in terms of what in terms everything. of everything you know if 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 there's a joke structure that surprises mm -hmm. you that's better than a familiar joke structure right if you know if a villain has a a, a, a warm moment that takes you by surprise that's great right and vice versa you know if your hero has a moment of being flawed or or making a bad moral choice uh -huh. as long as it's a, a surprise it's pretty interesting you know especially when you're when you're staffing a show you're reading script after script after script uh -huh. and you know you're either getting to page five or ten and saying like no like right like not not for me Right. Or you're saying perfectly competent. Right. But the ones that stick out that go into your third pile are the ones that have a surprising moment. You're like, whoa. A surprising yeah. moment that is not out of character, that is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, you know, it's it, it all has to sort of track and make sense and feel a little grounded. But you want to be surprised. Right. You know, you want to get to the ending and, and not know where the ending is. You know, a lot of scripts you, you read some setup on page three and you're like, well, I know how this, I know how the last 10 pages go. Right. Right. And if you can, and if you can have a satisfying ending that doesn't do that, that's better. That's uh, that's good advice for anybody. It's good advice for any surprises, anybody. surprises. Um, you know, when you're pitching in a room, like if character says something that you didn't think they would say, it's, it's better than, you know, eight people screaming out a variation on something they would say. Yeah. Right. Um, same with pitching. If you can pitch in a way that's sort of surprising, I think you have a better chance. Was there a moment though, when you were coming up that you felt in over your head that you felt like you didn't know any of this stuff? Especially because um, you were running a show <laughs> year two without ever being a staff writer. I mean. Well, you know, we were, we were pretty arrogant, me and Eileen, early on. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I think I've probably got gotten more humility as I've gotten older. In what way? You know, now, like, you know, sometimes I'm on page, you know, my, at an act break, I'm like, I don't think there's anything here. Uh -huh. You know, whereas early on, we would barrel through scripts and say, we did it again. This one's a, you know, another gem. We did it again. <laughs> and uh -huh. now, you know, more often than not, I'll work on an idea for, you know, a couple of weeks and say, Nope, I don't think there's anything there. Right. Or you know, or a screenplay. You know, I'll, I'll get to page fifty and say, I don't. Know, there's nothing left. Do you write anything for yourself at this point, or is there, is everything trying to sell? Well, I'll I'll write for myself, hoping that someday I'll sell it. Uh huh. Um. You know, I I foolishly will write more than I need to or should. Uh huh. Like, here's two examples. One is. I briefly was developing a this zombie office comedy with John Cryer. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, funny. We met with him. This was been a couple of years ago. When oh was... yeah. In fact, I almost when I was bit when I got Big Bang, I, I I got you guys in on it. Oh right, that was that. Okay, right. He was and then when I came guy. out of it, we we kept trying to develop it, and then I tried it a little bit with Melissa Rausch as well. Right. But I wrote the pilot, which was funny, and I was like, well, as proof of concept, let me write episode two also. So I wrote episode two, which was funny. And then, like, I didn't have anything to do the week after, so I wrote episode three. Right. 
And there's really no reason to do that. If you don't have a show sold, like, why are you writing episodes? Right. And I'm doing that again right now. There's a a sort of character that I think is funny. Uh-huh. So I wrote a, a pilot for this character who's, um, you know, sort of an oddball crime reporter who's keeps solving crimes. Uh-huh. And I wrote the pilot. And then for fun, I wrote episode two. And then this week, you know, until I get notes on these other pilots, I had nothing to do. So I've been writing episode three. It's so interesting when you write, you, yeah, you write, you really, you love to write. It's so fun. It's so fun. Because it's the world building. What is it that you like about it? Yeah. You know, sometimes I just miss the characters. It's the characters you love? Sometimes. Yeah. I was trying to think about what exactly it is that I like. And I really think it's, it's much smaller than what you like. It's just, it's coming up with, it's really that moment where you pitch something that's funny and then you get a little dopamine hit then you got to do it again. But it's that. It's not being on set. It's not taking pictures with actors. It's not yeah. red carpet. It's not going to events. It's not schmoozing. It's just that one little moment, pitching yeah. a good laugh, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty you, fun. But for you, it's a little, it's broader, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, but it's still in my head. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I I like sitting at a, at a, at a script and just hearing, letting right. the characters talk. Right. And there's a freedom of, of sometimes writing something that isn't for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't have to say like, someone is not gonna get this joke or this, I'm wasting too much time on a side conversation that's never gonna, like this is the first note I'm gonna get is get rid of this whole scene. Right. But you know, now with this character I'm writing, she can go off on, you know, page long tangents about nothing. Right. And you enjoy that, right? So it's it's like it's sitting in front of the computer is the enjoyable part. It's not the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, listen. There's a bunch of like I love the writing part. I, I have friends who don't like writing, and I don't understand why they've chosen this profession because, you know, you know, all friends were like grousing about some note they got. I'm like, just go do it. Right. Like, just go take the fucking note. What's the problem? Because they want to protect, it sounds like they probably want to protect what they have, right? No? A little of protecting, a little bit like, you know, I already did it. Why do I have to do it again? <laughs> like, just do it. That's how it works. Right. So uh, uh, I like the writing part. I like the money part. You yeah. know, anytime I get money, I love that. Right. Um, I like the reaction. You know, if, you, if you're at a table read and, and you get a laugh, it feels great. You know, yeah. and it. And something that dies, it's the worst, you know, it's, it's terrible. Right. Uh, I remember, you must remember this. We were writing on Just Show Me episode, Steve and I wrote called Jesus, It's Christmas. Uh-huh. And then I, I had the script in my hand. It wasn't going over well. And I crossed off the thing and I wrote, Jesus, it's clanking. And I showed it to you. <laughs> and you started laughing. Well, I still have my clank box you made me. Yeah. So we, should, we should tell your 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 listeners that mm-hmm. I don't know if you coined it or who coined clank. No, you did. Oh, did I? Yeah. Yeah. Well, somehow, sure. if a joke died, one of us would say to the other, clank. Like you just said. down to two pieces of metal hitting each other. Yeah, that's how you explained it to me. The sound of a joke bombing is like two pieces of metal hitting each other blank like i'm sure i'm I'm sure it was probably like march marsh by pitcher joke and then you go clank <laughs> what's that that's the sound of a joke dying you know it's like, oh okay 
I'm but sure I ended up now, you know, for 20 something years writing Clank on my script, you know, if a joke dies. <laughs> and I just assumed it was like a word that everyone knew, but I, I think you came up with it and no one knew what that word meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How funny, man. Yeah. But do you don't, so it sounds like you write with, um, you'll write, well, other than Jack, you did a pilot with him, but mostly you're writing with other kind of unknown or new new writers or whatever. You're pairing up with them. Yeah. 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 As opposed to grizzled old vets. <laughs> right. But you know it's easier to write sometimes with somebody. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's easier to write by yourself. You know, I love writing by myself, but, you know, sometimes it takes somebody else to say, like, this doesn't make any sense. How many hours, when you're working alone, how many hours will you put in in a day? Um, I write quickly, but if I'm having fun, you, I wrote a, a movie for CBS and I ended up writing a draft in like four days. Wow. And there was one day when I got up early because I was excited and I didn't stop until well after midnight. Wow. Wow. You know, it was one of those things where the room gets dark and you're like, what time is it? What happened? Wow. No, I see. I was working today on something and I... I got about three hours in, I go, mm, I think I've hit the wall now, you know? It, you know, that's fine, too. It's good to know that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, there's a law of diminishing returns. If you're not yeah. into it, you know, don't do it. Right. But, you know, sometimes, um, you know, you're racing to get it out of your head before it goes away. Now, you, have you ever directed? Uh-uh. You have no interest? No interest. Yeah. I so had to direct one little thing for True Jackson in New York. And it was kind of exciting because it was on, on um, it was during the Macy's parade. Right. I remember that. You were and it was a block from where I grew up. So right. that was kind of exciting to be out there with a crew. And that was kind of exciting. Right. But other than otherwise, that, it, it's for the birds. That's so funny. Why do you feel that way? It's too hard. It's too hard. Understanding where camera direction, you Could know. You but you can have an AD or, yeah, you know, your DP should be able to help you out with that. But maybe there's a lot of questions you have to answer. A lot of yeah. standing around. A lot of being in. Yeah. I, yeah. Have you done it? Yeah, we did it. We did an episode of Marin and I was, you know, I was on edge the whole time, <laughs> you know, looking at the clock. What's taking so long? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, am I going to make my day? Yeah, uh, it's so much easier to as a showrunner to stand over a director's shoulder and tell them that you're doing it wrong than it is. <laughs> sure, to actually do it yourself. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. It's it seems very hard. Yeah, so it seems very hard. You know, and and like on True Jackson, especially, I was pretty hands on, <laughs> and like somebody would block a whole scene, and I'd come in and say, like, you know, I kind of think you should come in from the other direction entirely. Right. And it would you know blow up their whole scene. Like if if I was that guy, I'd be so yeah exhausted and you know attitude. When you were working with <clears throat> kids, they had they had to keep short hours in that show, right? Yeah, that was that that got a little tricky. We would shoot half the show the day before on on a pre shoot day. We would shoot stunts. Um, if something had a special effect and we needed a little time to get it done, so we could show the audience. Right. And the live show, we would do that early the day before. Um, and we would knock off, you know, half the pages. And then we would shoot six scenes in front of the audience. and But you had your eye on the clock. Right. 
Oh, because even on show night, they got to get out early. Yeah, on show night, I think we had a hard out of 8 p.m. And sometimes, you know, you'd be at 7.30 and you have a scene and a half, mm -hmm. you know, and, and somebody's screwing around. You're like, like, got to go, got to go. Yeah. Did you ever go? Did you ever go over? Can you go over if you have kids? You can't go over. You can't. So you just you, no, no. They, they'll, they'll, yeah, no, no. They'll they'll like they'll shut it down. You know, you shut it down. You have to pick it up next week. And did did that ever happen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no. There were times when we're like, look, there's we're just not going to get to it. Right. We'll, we'll, owe, we'll owe that scene, and then we would make the following weeks a little easier to accommodate it. Did it change the way you? You broke stories when you're writing for kids? Um, a little bit, probably. In what way? You, you were just writing a little more directly and you're making sure those... Oh, no, in terms of what they could pull off. I mean, in, oh. in terms of schedule, maybe, yeah. But those kids were fantastic. In terms of what they could pull off emotionally, you mean? Oh, I mean, Kiki Palmer could do anything. Right. And Ashley Argata and Robbie Amell and... Uh -huh. Matt Shively, all those kids were just amazing. Uh -huh. So there was never any any question about them talent-wise being able to do it. It was just, you know, can we shoot this in time? Can we shoot it in time? Oh, see, okay. Yeah. You know, or if we had a stunt, I'm like, I like it, but, you know, it'll take 15 minutes to reset for another take, but there's no way. Right. Right. That's something you we'll know? think about, right. Yeah, or some things, you know, we're like, listen, we have one shot at it. Right. Like you never get an actor wet on a, on a TV show. It takes way we, did, we had an episode with Jeanette McCurdy that uh -huh. was supposed to end with this bucket of paint landing on her head and it missed. Uh-huh. It was we were out of time. That's it. That was it. So it just missed on tape. And it missed on tape. We added a sound effect as if it hit her, but it didn't. Oh, okay. We it, may have done a little CG. Right. Make it look like it hit her a little bit, but it really didn't. Wow. How funny. Yeah. How funny. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, well, especially with kid shows, you know, you can add sound effects, like something breaking. And mm -hmm. if you look carefully, nothing broke, but it, it seems like it did. <laughs> and so are you excited about, so you're, you must be excited about doing another, the possibility of doing another kid show. Yeah, if I get to shoot it, it'll be a blast. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's fun too, because a lot of these kids I worked with grew up to be stars. So right. that's, you know, it's, 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 it's fun knowing them as kids. Like Storm Reed is a big star now. I did a pilot with her when she was 10. Right. Um, Kiki is a big star. So uh, isn't it so weird? It's so, because you must see them as children, but they're not. You know, uh, Kelly Goss, who, who was uh, on the United States of Al, uh -huh. worked with her. She was on True Jackson when she was a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, I remember... I remember even on Just Shoot Me when, you know, you had worked with Wendy Malick before in Dream On. I was like, wow, you, you work with, so you know this actor, you know, like, it just seemed odd to me that you had a relationship with this person from another, you know, another show. Yeah, you know, I, I may have helped her get that job. I think for a while it was going to be Raquel Welch. Oh, wow. And I think during casting, I was like saying Wendy Malick over and over again to, to Steve. Yeah, because she can hit a joke for sure. I mean, Wendy's fantastic. Yeah, in the same way that on Back to You, I pitched Sofia Vergara like ad nauseum. How did you know her? Where did you know her from? Hot Properties. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a a, a weather girl who was not funny, and uh -huh. I'm like, guys, Sofia Vergara. 
you just gotta just just make the change. Sophia Vergara, she's the one. Right. And then when they were doing Modern Family, they were like, "Hey, who was who was that actress that Andy kept saying?" Right. So. How funny. How funny. Yeah. Yeah, because you've worked with so many people over and over again. You know. Well, that was the other fun thing with uh, Drew Jackson was calling in favors. What do you mean? Like anybody I'd worked with before. Oh, okay. So, you know, I'd, I'd say to Julie Bowen, hey, come do a day, you know, or French Stewart or Dave Foley or Gail O'Grady. I'm like, come on, come play with us. Uh-huh. And they just say, dude, I got it. We did a, we developed a pilot for Maryland Rice Cup, you know, the comedian, and it didn't go. But then we were doing uh, Marin, and we needed somebody, to, an actor, a ca- uh, comic, to play themselves. So I texted Marilyn. I go, "Hey, Marilyn, I know uh, I did short notice, but uh, do you want to be on our show?" And she writes back, "Yes. Who is this?" <laughs> <laughs> she accepted the job without even knowing what it was. Yeah, that <laughs> uh, so funny. Um, <laughs> no, on, on on true, I would say to people, "Come play with us. I won't waste your time. Rehearse as much or as little as you want." Uh huh. Um, and almost everybody said, yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So hopefully you get another experience like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, what do you, what do you, is that, I don't know. So what do you, what do you credit your longevity to? I mean, you really have, you know, look at your shows. Your credit list is crazy. Well, you know, listen, I'm, I've, you know, I get nervous that I'm hanging on by a thread, but uh-huh. I think part of it is that, um, you know, I'm not a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one one thing I tell lots of writers, and I do it myself, is keep an eye on the showrunner. Mm-hmm. See what they're buying, what they're not buying, what they're responding to, what they're like, what's bugging them. Yep. And do that. Right. Right. Um, you know, I, I've seen you know, I've seen writers not do it, mm-hmm. and you're like, buddy, like. You know, that's driving the showrunner crazy. You got to knock it off. Yeah, I, I say that a lot. I say your job as a staff writer is to make the best version of the show that the showrunner wants to make, not the best show, the best yeah. version that they want, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. No, you've got to you've got to be a soldier, mm-hmm. and no, you know, anticipate what they want. So you know, so some of some of what it is 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 keeping an eye on them. Uh huh. Right. Um, you know, and, and some, you know, and they're people. So, so sometimes they're stressed and you're like, what can I do for you? What can I get you? Right. You know, right. would it help if I wrote an outline for that thing tonight? Or would it help if I took three people in the other room and wrote the B story? Right. Um, right. so, you know, it's, it's, I think I've, I've held on because I can do that, mm-hmm. you know, and on big bang, like there's a lot of times, like, can somebody go do the audio, you know, the audio mix? I'm like, yeah, I'll go do it. Right. Can somebody go to casting? Sure. Right. Or can somebody go in the other room and write, you know, write the scene? Right. Being versatile. Being team player. Being versatile, not being a pain in the ass. You know, I've I've worked with other writers who are pains in the ass. I'm like, you've got to knock it off. Yeah. And they don't, they don't even, they don't see it. They don't even hear it. Yeah. Or they're rude to a, you know, to the writer's PA and you're like, like, it's making me uncomfortable when you're rude. So don't do that. And do they listen to you? Some people can't help themselves. You can't help it. Yeah. And do they disappear? Some have. Yeah. 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 So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, I know one writer who like 
without fail would yell at a writer's assistant every day about something some their lunch order got wrong really yeah i'd be like like who gives a shit about your lunch you've got to knock it off right right yeah yeah put in place man but but for the most part i would imagine behavior among writers has probably gotten better over the years and i would think no um you worked on some shows i don't i don't have to say what they were but early in your career were you the showrunner would disappear, and then you'd be left there till four in the morning when they came back on their date. Yeah, that's that true. Why now? No, no, that was that was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that situ. I mean, that that's a, a rare situation. I can't imagine it would be tolerated now, but you know that writer was a genius. Uh huh. So it's hard. You know, I don't know what to say. I mean, we we couldn't get out of there quick enough. Yeah. Right. Right. You have have you had other than that, have you had a lot of bad? You haven't had many really bad experiences, right? Yeah, I've had a couple. Really, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would. I had a run of tricky, tricky actors. Right. Oh, well, that's true. I, I, I do know that. But it was. Yeah, a, yeah. A no, I, you know, there was one actor who, it was a show I was running, mm-hmm. without fail, would scream at me, in front of the crew, like scream at me. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this one actor. It, it took me a while to figure out would fuel his performance by getting hopping mad. It was mm. part of his process. Oh, great. So without fail on Thursday, he'd be upset about something. And he'd be like, hey, you're wanted on stage. And you're like, hey. And you'd get just screamed at. And I remember like one time getting screamed at and it went on so long that I stopped paying attention. And I was like, up here? And I like look down, I'm like, man, that one man is so mad at that other man. I <laughs> wonder, wonder what, what that other second... man's gonna do. Yeah, I wonder what that second man did to make the first man so mad. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> invariably it was like about some some plot point that had been in the script for you know months. Right. Right. Like, what you know, why am I ripping up this check? I'm like, right. oh my God, that you know, we talked about this. You would explain it. It was like, you're not allowed to rip up money. Like it's yeah. not money. It's you know, like, ugh. Oh my god. But that's all those are those become great stories, but but not in the moment. But <laughs> no, I, in the moment. I would often like, you know, they they'd ask for me and I'd tell Marsh they were asking for him. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious, man. Um that that's when we yeah, when there were times when Steve <laughs> and I is on we're on set and someone's getting mad. They want to talk to the showrunner and I pointed him and he pointed me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well on, on Mystery Girls, I don't know if you remember this. There were times when Tori and Jenny would come into the room mm-hmm. in a great mood, and at a certain point, Jenny would get mad uh-huh. and leave the room furious. And we would play what set Jenny off. Right. And And we would all have a different take. Like, I I think maybe it was when you said somebody else was pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, my God. What? um, All right. Well, I've had you for for a long time on you. I don't want to take up too much of your time. But how much do you have any other parting words of wisdom for people? No, like I said, surprises. Surprises in your scripts are, are great. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's truthful to you oh. uh, is better. Like, 
for example, I like magic. So yeah. I put magic in a lot of scripts. Right. Um, but it doesn't like, th that's an example of putting something in your scripts that you like. Right. Which right. makes them sort of um, specific to you that you're the person worth hiring because you've got a unique perspective. Right. Right. Very, per and all, very personal. Interesting. Yeah. I, I had a friend years ago was like, gonna write a Fraser spec about a wine club I'm like do you do you drink wine they're like no mm. like why would you write that episode what can okay. you bring to a wine club episode that somebody else can't do better than you right and they're like I don't know I'm like I'm like you're a marathon runner right do an episode about Niles running for the marathon right like make it you know bring something unique to it mm -hmm. so that you know you're bringing something that someone else can't right and did they um, or What's that? They take your advice? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Um, so surprises, something unique, um, seizing opportunities. Yeah. Seizing opportunities. On on um, one show not long ago, we let one of the writer's PAs pitch. We said, you know, listen, why don't you come in and pitch an idea? Uh -huh. And he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. So a week later, I said, hey, did you end up pitching them an idea? And he said, no, not yet. I'm like, you should get on that. Right. And he said, yeah, I'm working on one. I'm like, I, if I were you, I wouldn't go to bed tonight. I'm like, come up with a pitch that is so good they cannot do it and get it to them tomorrow. I'm like, quit fucking around. This opportunity doesn't come up too often. Right. He just felt he wasn't ready. He just thought he had all the time in the world. Oh, okay. But you have to seize opportunities. They, you know, they pop up and you got to take them. Right. Um, yeah. You know, you can't can't let them slip away. Yeah. Andy Gordon, thank you so much for doing this. this oh, my pleasure. My pleasure, Jim. And always good to see you. This is don't don't go anywhere. This has oh. been a great, great talk going with. This has been a great talk. Thank you, everyone. Uh, until next week, we have more great guests coming your way. Uh, and uh, that's it. Thank you again, Andy. Keep writing. <laughs> this has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jamin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.